From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Research taking place at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse may lead to the development of a quick, painless tool to help diagnose autism in children. Using a swab like a Q-tip, scientists are collecting saliva from the mouths of children and then analyzing it for tiny particles called microRNA. Here to talk about how the work is going is Frank Middleton, an associate professor of pediatrics, neuroscience and physiology, psychiatry, and biochemistry at Upstate. Welcome. Thanks for being here. It's my pleasure, Amber. Thank you for having me. So right now, as things stand, is there a, a test that diagnoses autism? Currently, there are behavioral tests that are used as gold standards to diagnose autism. These require approximately uh, a two-hour session with developmental pediatric group or a developmental pediatrician or a well-trained practitioner. There's also unfortunately requires about a 9 to 12 month waiting time in order to get one of those appointments scheduled. And so that's part of the the difficulty with the current situation and these behavioral um, diagnostic measures because they take so long um, delay the potential intervention of services that might be helpful for those children. So that's why I was going to ask you why it's important to diagnose it early, but how, how do you define autism? What is autism? So autism has undergone a few different evolutions in what we use to describe or define the specific phenotypic features. Uh, the current conception of it has as its, its core uh, deficits in social communication, and that is something that's stood up throughout the several decades leading up to the current day. There are surveys that are used that are very brief, um, 20 and 30 item questionnaire screening tools that are commonly used in pediatric practice or general uh, medical practice that are used to screen children who potentially could show early signs of deficits in the social communication and some other domains as well. Those right now are the best that we can offer for screening tools. And if a child has a positive result on one of those screening tools, then they would be referred for a more involved evaluation, and that would be the formal diagnostic interview that would take months to actually schedule and then several hours to perform. Wow. So why do you say um, it's important to diagnose early? The critical piece that we've learned from research on subjects with autism spectrum disorder is that you can improve their level of functioning a great deal through targeted behavioral interventions. And one of the best known is applied behavioral um, therapy and or applied behavioral analysis, ABA. This has shown to be really a life-changing intervention for children. Um, and it doesn't cure their autism. There's not a cure for autism, but what it is oriented around is actually giving them a level of functioning where they're not as dependent on other individuals. And they're able to function at a level um, that leads them to a more fulfilling life. So, so an intervention early in childhood that can last forever for that, them. That's absolutely true. 
Well, this um, this idea of using a saliva sample, you were on HealthLink previously discussing um, a saliva test that diagnoses concussion. So does, does this work the same way? The saliva test that we've been working on for the past five years now um, is essentially quite similar to what we described previously with concussion. It's a rapid molecular analysis of a subset of of molecules that you find in everyone's saliva. And we believe that these particular molecules can be used as a diagnostic or screening aid in identifying those children who are outside the norm um, from an epigenetic point of view rather than a purely behavioral point of view based on the questionnaires. Now these tools that we use or that we've been developing, we have to validate against the best behavioral standards. So when we say we have a tool that we've used saliva um, to diagnose or to screen for autism, we know the accuracy because we're actually doing the behavioral testing and evaluation on the same children. The same way that we would be doing testing and evaluation of children who might have a concussion and relating those molecular changes we find in the saliva to those symptoms and those behavioral features. So it's very similar. It's parallel. We're not seeing the same molecules changed in autism that we see changed in concussion, but we don't see the same behavioral changes either. Right. Now, and it's uh, microRNA that you're looking at? That's right. What is microRNA? So microRNAs are short pieces of ribonucleic acid that are released by all cells in the body. They have activities inside those cells related to regulating the amount of protein that's actually synthesized and the stability of other RNAs inside those cells. We didn't know about microRNAs 25 years ago, 20 years ago. It still hadn't hit the textbooks 10 years ago still hadn't hit the textbooks. Um, microRNA is, is not in the common dialogue, but microRNAs have essentially resulted in, in at least two Nobel Prizes now. The importance of microRNAs cannot be underscored enough. We know they're critically involved in every biological process inside cells. Why do we look at saliva for microRNA? specifically because microRNAs don't stay in the cells that make them. They're released into extracellular fluids, and they travel throughout the body. So we could measure microRNAs in blood. We chose not to in children with autism because it would be easier to obtain a saliva sample. Sure. But we could, and we could use other biofluids as well. But the saliva makes it an easy way to retrieve what you need. So. That's right. So it's, it's no more invasive than a common strep test that... Um, a child might undergo with a swab in the back of the throat. In our case, we're just collecting saliva in the front of the mouth with our swabs. Is it a test that tells you a yes or a no, or is it a test that tells you a severity? So our test generates a probability, which is very similar to the severity that you're referring to. The likelihood that a child can be accurately categorized or classified in the autism spectrum compared to developmental delay or compared to a typically developing control.
Interesting. Well, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with autism researcher Frank Middleton, um, an associate professor at Upstate. Now, this study that you're talking about is still ongoing, and people could still get involved in that. How would they go about doing that, and why would they want to? So the study is very much ongoing. We've finished, really, the first phase of our recruitment, and we're beginning the next phase. We have presently um, completed our molecular studies and behavioral analyses on approximately 200 children with autism, approximately 75 with developmental delay, and more than 110 typically developing controls. And we're just now putting out the papers to substantiate our findings. But we're launching a much larger recruitment effort that will essentially triple those numbers, headed towards 600 children with autism, 600 with developmental delay, 600 typically developing controls. The way that people locally in the central New York area could get involved in the study is really through going to our website, which is upstate.edu slash autism study, and simply filling out a contact form. And there are, there's phone numbers listed on the website as well, so they could call directly. We need participation from families, from parents and their children, in order to make the study as useful and as powerful as it can. Now, what age children are you looking at? So the study is really focused on ages 2 to 6 for the discovery of biomarkers that might be most beneficial when the interventions that could also be most beneficial would likely be initiated. So we had worked in older um, populations. So older children uh, with an average age of around 9 or 10, we've done some pilot work at that at the beginning of our studies, but we've really turned our attention to the younger age groups now because we want to facilitate early intervention. Okay. So if uh, someone signs up and is um, accepted for the study, what's involved in that? How much of a commitment do they make? So the typical scenario would involve uh, the family traveling to the Upstate Medical University campus. We have free parking for them at inside the Institute for Human Performance building. Once they're in that building, they would go to a, an evaluation room on the second floor, and for about an hour and a half, the child would undergo a series of standardized assessments that are used as both screening tools and for the formal evaluation of autism. We would also obtain saliva sample from the child at that time. So the evaluation, it might sound a little scary or cause uh, some questions to arise in a parent's mind. The evaluation is essentially a set of play scenarios that range from 10 to 12, depending on the child's developmental state. And the rater or evaluator goes through these scripted scenarios with the child and sees how they, for example, uh, communicate back and forth with them or with toys or with objects in, or how they respond to a story that they're being told. And this is a standardized assessment tool called the Autism Diagnostic Observation Scale that we use. Do the uh, families get the results of the tests afterward? So we provide families with, with feedback from 
our assessments. We can't provide them feedback from the molecular studies because we're still trying to understand exactly what we can learn from those. But at this point, we do offer families the ability to receive a summary of the behavioral findings, and we send it to no one else. So it's totally at their discretion if they want to share this with their child's psychologist or pediatrician um, or use it in any other way. Okay. Well, if things work out the way you hope with this testing, just flash forward into the future, how do you envision it being used? Would it be the definitive test for autism, or how, how would it work in? That's a great question. So one of the exciting things on the horizon about measuring microRNAs is that we now have tools to actually measure them at point of care. And so you can envision essentially like a rapid strep test. A child could go in and have a swab test done, and within 10 minutes, they would be able to obtain an answer if there is a molecular signature in their saliva that supports the diagnosis of autism or developmental delay, or there's an absence of a molecular signature for that. And that requires our ability to identify what the critical microRNAs are that we need to measure. And we're about halfway there at this point, I would estimate. But the point-of-care technology that rapidly measure microRNAs is here now, and it's being implemented in other diseases and conditions. So we're very excited. We think that could be the future. Would it be like a screening? Could it be used as a screening tool almost? It could absolutely be used as a, as a screening, potentially even before the child is old enough to walk or might normally talk. Um, we don't know the limits of how, how low we can go at wow. this point. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much for being here. My guest has been Frank Middleton, an associate professor at Upstate who researches autism. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.